0: Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. Welcome to part two of our fall retreat recap. Our Fall Retreats theme was fearless. In the first episode, we talked about your gospel is too small. In this episode, we are going to talk about your gospel is too narrow. So when you think of what you see in church, what do you think about? Do you think that the church is simply a place that people have social conversations, that people have uh, just a time to gather and get together? Or do you think church is really about or should be about getting people into heaven? Maybe the answer for what you see in church is different than what you should see in church, what you would like to see in church. And ultimately, church needs to be conversations about getting people into heaven. And that's what ultimately evangelism is. It's conversations about getting people into heaven. And there's a couple things that our speaker John says he hates about evangelism. There's two things specifically. He said canned phrases. If you don't know what canned phrase is, a canned phrase is something that just seems stock, something that doesn't seem personal, something that seems... <laughs> Uh, like you've heard it a million times before, and it's never had any different impact. It's the first time you've heard it, regardless of what that impact was. This canned phrase is, is something that's very basic and generic. It doesn't necessarily latch onto an individual. So a, uh, an example of a canned phrase would be this classic phrase that you've probably heard of, if you you know that people use for evangelism, that would be, if you were to die today, where do you think that you would end up? That is a canned evangelism phrase. Because it's just something that you can have in a can, you can take out, and you can just feed it to somebody without having to put any real work into it. The other thing he hates about evangelism is that oftentimes we don't do any follow-up. Evangelism is something we see as a one-time act, but then when that person decides that they want to make Jesus part of their life, then there is no follow-up. Evangelism is n- not a one-time deal, but evangelism often takes place over quite a bit of time. It is something that happens through relationships, and it's something that happens uh, o- over long periods of time. And Some of the most faithful stories of about the most far from God's sinners is because somebody kept on being persistent with them and people kept on following up with them. And the church today has lacked follow-up and we could just revert to using these canned phrases. So last message we talked about your gospel is too small and we said what let's take a look at Jesus and let's do the same thing again here your gospel is too narrow so let's take a look at Jesus. So Jesus has a revolutionary method for reaching the world. all right. So in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, this is kind of where we left off at the last one. Jesus begins his ministry and is baptized. And, and in that we can see. That Jesus was radically identifying himself. And was being obedient to God. Shortly after that he rejects Satan's will. in the temptation in the wilderness. And Satan tries to use three different temptations. That's, that Jesus just rejects and says these are not. My gospel, my gospel is not this. And so temptation one is what John calls the Oprah method. It's using verses three and four from Matthew chapter four. It's what Satan tries to get to him. It is this idea of a prosperity of, of if you believe in Jesus, that you will be healthy and wealthy and you will be have no er- wrong you will everything will be great for you and you know everybody gets a car you get a car and you get a car and you get a car there's always a surprise package and if you just show up you're going to get that surprise package and that is not what the gospel is the gospel is not that narrow the t- second temptation is what john calls the copperfield method based on david copperfield who was a famous magician who um his most notable act was making the statue of liberty disappear so with this copperfield method the the reasoning behind this is that We shouldn't follow Jesus just because of displays of power. Now, you may have seen displays of power. I believe I have seen some displays of God's sovereign power, but that's not ultimately the reason why we should follow God. It shouldn't take us a display of power. And if it does, then we shouldn't just rely on seeing another display of power in order to believe in this gospel. That is a narrow gospel. The third one is a pragmatic method this pragmatic temptation, which is uh, talking about the worldly ways and talking about how Satan tries to use that to lure Jesus into a false sense of gospel, a gospel that is narrow, a gospel that is sad. Another way that Jesus revolutionizes the gospel is his unconditional caring. We see that Jesus preaches good news to the needy. He provides hope. Jesus proclaims release to the captives. He provides freedom. Jesus proclaims recovery for the broken. He makes people whole again. And Jesus sets free those who are oppressed. He provides peace. So Jesus' concern is about recovery and redemption from sin. And we see throughout the gospel that Jesus has trained up his disciples so that when he exits, he sends out his disciples to continue his work. We see that in Matthew 9:36 and Matthew 10, 7 through 8, and Matthew 28 the very last two verses of Matthew's Gospel. And so, what exactly does it look like to live a Christ-like life? Well, in Matthew 5, verses 1-12, through 12, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's uh, arguably Jesus' most famous sermon. Jesus gives what we call the Beatitudes. Now, the Beatitudes are something that is simply, blessed are the blank for they blank. Um, if you want to take a look at that, just go ahead and read Matthew 5, 1-12 through 12 real quick. But we'll kind of give you the quick... Run down and break these down here for you for a bit. So, Jesus is going to say, Blessed are these people. And what we want to uncover is somebody that is blessed by Jesus is living out a Christ like life. If he says somebody who is like this is blessed, then that means that Jesus approves of the way that they are living. And so, we're going to take a look one by one of these and just talk a little bit about them. So, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, poor in spirit would simply mean uh, lacking God and being aware of it. So an awareness of a lack of God. It's when you realize that there's something not quite right with me because I don't have enough God or enough Jesus. And that leads to a hunger for more God. But of first an awareness of a lack of God. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And when Jesus is talking about that mourning, he's talking about being compassionate about other people's. But he's primarily also talking about being aware of our sinful state which separates us from god and mourning that because of our sin we are separated yet we continue to sin it's this idea of repentance that we talk about often in the church jesus says blessed are the meek or you could translate meek as gentle blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth and so something that it takes to be christ-like is to treat others with grace To treat others with respect, to treat others with dignity, to be gentle with one another, because each person is made in God's image, and each person was made by God, and we should cherish each individual person as God's child. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That hunger and thirst for God's righteousness is desire for God's likeness. It's exactly what we're talking about in this podcast. It's exactly what we're talking about in this message. Is that We are desiring God's likeness. And so we are looking at the Beatitudes to say, what does God's likeness look like? It says, blessed are the the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is not just something that God gets to extend, but it's something that we get to extend. And ultimately, God has authority, but it's something that we get to extend to people today in this life. We get to be forgiving of people. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the pure in heart is essentially just another way of saying having the right motive doing things out of good nature you know a very popular story that happened uh this this past week is as a story of carson king and he uh, held up a sign at iowa state iowa football game and said uh i need beer money venmo me this money and people wound up sending him tons of money and what he decided is i don't really need beer money I'm going to take all this money and I'm going to donate to the University of Iowa Children's Hospital. And so he wound up, instead of doing something that was selfish, he wound up doing something really good. And he could have taken that thousand or so dollars and went and just bought a bunch of beer. But what we instead decided to do is let's turn this into uh, a campaign to raise money for the University of Iowa Children's Hospital. And to date, the fundraiser is still going on. He has raised over a million dollars just because he held up a sign asking for beer money. That right motive is was the, the moment that he decided instead of needing beer, I can help, I can do some good with all this money. That is a pure in heart decision. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers is simply fighting for good. Because we know that good is something that we need to constantly strive for. And there, that I am a little bit of a cynic in people where I believe if somebody has a choice to do good or bad, that they're going to do bad. I think the same of myself, but it's a constant fight for good. So I fight for good in every decision I make. And we encourage others to fight for good in every decision that they make. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is saying, You're blessed if you experience persecution because your persecution gives witness. Your persecution is an example of evangelism for other people. These are the examples of somebody who is Christ-like. Jesus also says that we are to be salt, that we are to be light, that we are to pray good deeds, and that we are to glorify God who is in heaven. If we live in this Christ-like way that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, then that is a gospel that is not narrow. If we treat others with grace, if we desire God's likeness, if we're forgiving, if we do things with the right motive, if if we reject the Oprah, Copperfield, and Pragmatic Gospel, if we have an awareness of a lack of God, if we focus on Jesus' concern of recovery and redemption from sin, then that is a gospel that is not narrow at all. That is a gospel that is welcoming and accepting. So we leave you with this this quick question, which is what if your gospel was more like Jesus? Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there. Again, that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com. We hope hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you